Well, I found a, uh, a uh, pattern in my life, kind of started early, and then it happened a number of times as I've, as I've grown and aged, uh, where I would, I would not want to do something, and so I wouldn't do it, or I would do it half-heartedly, or I wouldn't do it for very long. And then I would change, like it was like a switch flipped, and then I did want to do it, I had a desire, and then I did it, and I did it for a long time. And kind of the first thing I noticed was uh, with French fries. There was a time I did not like French fries as a kid. And then uh, McDonald's came to town, and uh, we'd go to the ballpark with my dad. He'd be umpiring or playing fast pitch underhand softball. My older brother and I would go to the McDonald's right by the ballpark, get a bag of fries for 19 cents, Split him kind of. He was bigger than me, so I think he got more than I did. And I really liked those French fries. And I never, I've never stopped eating McDonald's French fries. I've always liked them since. But there was a time I didn't like them, and then it changed. Same thing happened with, uh, with reading, um, reading the Bible. It was, if, if I read the Bible when I was younger, it was sheer grim determination. It was the King James Version. It was like, oh... And I'd start in the beginning, like you do with most books in Genesis, and go, this is so boring. And then I just wouldn't do it anymore because I didn't want to do it, so I didn't do it. And then something's changed, you know, and I got this. My parents said, we'll give you 25 bucks if you read through the Bible in a year. I got a version I could understand, the Living Bible, and all of a sudden I went, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. And actually, when I got done... I enjoyed it enough where I said, I'm going to do it without my parents paying me money. I'm going to read it anyway. And I went back to the New Testament and I started reading it. And it changed. And I haven't stopped. Same thing with jogging. I used to look at guys that ran long distances, like five miles. And I thought, you're crazy. I mean, the only reason that you should run is for another sport to stay in shape, like basketball or football. But who gets out there and just runs? That's just like abusing yourself. You know, and uh, and then I, I I was on the wing of a dorm in college with the cross country team, and I asked one of those guys, "How how do you run like that? I mean, you run ten miles a day. Why would you do that?" And he said, "Well, the way we do it is," he says, "We got to run smooth. You just like water. Think of water just flowing. You just run smooth. Don't not up and down, herky jerky. Go smooth. It's like okay." So I started learning how to run like they ran a little bit, and then it got more enjoyable. And then I experienced an endorphin rush, and then it was like, okay, I'm kind of hooked. I like this. And piano, the same thing. Piano is the same thing. I did like it, and I, I struggled to do it. I wanted to be outside playing with my friends instead of sitting on a piano bench. You know, and back in those days, that was like what sissies did, boys playing the piano. I didn't want to be a sissy. So here I am, you know, and I'm on the piano bench. Wait, can Rick come out and play? No, he's got to practice piano. Like, oh. And then after about three years, I started liking what I heard. I started liking what I felt inside when I was playing. So when my parents said, you can stop or you can keep going, which one? I said, I'll keep going. So all those things um, were a, a, a change of, of desire, okay? I got to stop and take one of these, my throat. Is getting me today. Um, and once, once I got to the desire, then I got to the new behavior. When I got to the new behavior, I got to the new outcome in my life, which was healthy. It was good for my body. It was good for my soul. It was good for my mind. 
But it was the behavior that led to that. But what led to the behavior was the desire. You know, a lot of us look at our lives and we just look at behaviors. Before you talk about the behavior, you need to look at the desire because the desire is what's leading us to do the behavior. That's what's generating the, the stuff inside of us. And if you have the desire for the right thing, you'll do the right thing. And if you have the desire for the wrong thing, you'll do the wrong thing. So we need to go to the heart. It's the same thing with things I shouldn't have done. I had desires to be a certain way that weren't good. I'm a selfish person. That's nor- naturally, that's who I am. I've known that since I was a kid. Well, that's not good. So how do you go from being selfish to being selfless? I mean, if I'm going to be in a marriage, I need to learn how to serve my wife. It's not good to be selfish. That doesn't make the marriage work. So something had to, the, the, the switch had to flip again. I'm a loner. I prefer, I can spend a lot of time by myself without being around people. But that, again, is not good for relationships. That's not good in the church. It's not good in the family. And I've had to learn and grow to, to the place, actually, where my desire for this it was kind of painful. It all started to change was in college when God really convicted me about that in my life, that that needed to change. And it did change where now it's like I enjoy being with people a lot more than I used to. But it was a desire which changed a behavior, which changed an outcome. Um, some, of, some of the people I played games with Tuesday night at our little, we had a little New Year's Eve uh, get-together might disagree with this, but I'm not nearly as competitive as I used to be. Um, and really, when I lost, and I lost both games, just want to say that, I lost both games. It didn't really hurt very much, you know. That used to really hurt because I had to validate myself through the way, through winning. And I don't have to do that anymore. And, and, but I used to like, well, how do you get from being so competitive? You know, now I look at games as it's a way to be together with people. It's hanging out, getting to know each other. You learn stuff about each other. It's about talking together. That's really, to me, what the games are about. It's not about winning the way it used to be so much, okay? Or other things. I had a desire to watch ESPN. Well, I had a, I had a question to answer. Do you want to be a sports nerd or do you want to be a good dad? Because right now you're letting your wife do all this work because you're spending too much time watching ESPN sports. And so I had to deal with this desire, this behavior that was hurting my marriage and me as a father. So all those things, they're internal, that that have to flip. They have to change if we're going to go on and live a life where we're flourishing and living a life of abundance. So let me ask you some questions. As you've gone along in your life, have you monitored your desires? Not just your behaviors, but what's going on in your heart. Have you paid attention to your heart? Have you been mastered by your impulses? Here's some questions. Do you know what you want? And is what you want good? Is it a holy desire? Does the the desire, when you follow it, bring you greater health and freedom and peace? Or does it bring you hurt and bondage? The outcome will help you determine whether or not it's a holy desire. Where did that desire originate in you? Is it from your fallen sinful heart? Or is it from a new redeemed heart? Have you let God give you a new heart so that you can have new desires, new behaviors, and life-giving outcomes? 
Do you ever ask yourself, why do I want to eat a box of Twinkies? I mean, for the overeating thing, you know, New Year's resolutions and all that, why do we want to do some of that stuff? Why do I want to watch hours of YouTube videos? Why do I want to escape or tell that person off? I mean, what is it going on inside that's causing me to want to do that and act that way? Or, on the other side, it's only wanting to do things that are harmful, but it's not wanting to do things that are good. Why do I not want to go for a walk outside or go to the gym? What is the, what's going on inside of me that's saying no to that? Why don't I want to pick up the phone and call that relative I need to, I need to talk to? Or, or pray? Or be in a home group? If you desire to do or not to do something good... Or is it, is, it, is it a desire gone wrong? I mean, where, where are you with this? Do you realize how many of your problems can be solved? And my problems can be solved when you simply alter your desire? Do you realize the key to fixing Santa Rosa's problems and America's problems is not politics? And it's not philosophy and it's not education and it's not money. It's fixing the heart. That's what it is. And if you could go, well, we, we can't do this, but if, if this was possible, and you can go and fix everybody's heart in Santa Rosa, you would basically fix Santa Rosa's problems. In fact, you could reduce regulations and laws in our city if you change the heart. Because all the law comes down to two things, love God and love people. And if we were all conquered by the king of the heart, we would do that. It's amazing how simple it is, but it's the very thing people don't talk about. This is what will solve the problems of our nation. Um, so there's, a, there's a, a, a proverb. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. One of the translations says, For it is the wellspring of life. Another one, it changed a little bit. For everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. For everything that you do flows from the heart. What's in the heart? What's the, we're, talk, we're not talking about the, the physical organ that pumps blood through your body. We're talking about the heart is made up of the mind, the thoughts, the emotions, desires, and will. So you fix the heart, you guard the heart, then your desires lead to behaviors, okay? And your will is involved in that, your thoughts are involved in that, and your emotions are involved in that, in how you and I act. Here's something for you to be grateful for. We live in an age when our hearts can be changed to desire what's good. And there's been a time in human history when this was not available to the human race. It was at the root of Israel's problems. There was a nation that was supposed to live in relationship with God. And he gave them the way. It was very simple, guys. Here's what you got to do. I got ten commandments for you. You just do that. You do your part of the covenant. I'll do my part of the covenant. We'll be in relationship. You will flourish as a nation. You'll be a city set up on a hill. People around the world will look at you and go, wow, those are the people who belong to God. Look how their life is. And all you have to do is these 10 things. You know what? They couldn't do it. Why couldn't they do it? The old heart was off. They couldn't do it. Their, their minds 
their emotions, their wills, and their desires were resistant and stubborn and bent against doing the good that they were supposed to do. If they had a heart to do it, they could have done it, and they wouldn't have gotten into all kinds of trouble. Their misery, they had horrible things happen to them as a nation. Why did that happen? Because they broke the covenant. Why did they break the covenant? Because their hearts were hard. It went back to desire. So, you know, we just, and, and here's the good news for us. We just celebrated Christmas where the prophet's words were fulfilled. The Messiah, Jesus, was born who would die on a cross and redeem our hearts and free us from sin. And then he rose from the dead and, two day, and three days later, 40 days later, sorry, he, 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 wrote, he ascended and then he sent his spirit to live within us, to give us new holy impulses and desires and drives, which are life-giving. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. So it's an inside job. So now we can live life with holy good desires that lead to holy good behaviors and actions, which lead to life-giving outcomes. That, folks, is an awesome opportunity. We are not chained to the old ways. But something has literally changed in the spiritual realm where human beings can be made new on the inside and then new on the outside. In real time, what does that look like? Well, like if you go to your job, it looks like this. This is Ephesians 6, verse 6. It says... Obey your your masters, not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. So when you go to work, it looks like, you know, I'm going to do what my boss says, whether he's watching or not. I'm just going to do the best job because Jesus is watching, and he's my ultimate boss, and I'm going to live for him. Okay? It also looks like this. You go through your day thinking about what it is that God desires. Romans 8, verse Five says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So you go through your day and you think, God, what do you want in this particular situation? You, you just, you're just thinking those thoughts. You have a new way of thinking because you're living according to the Spirit. You really want to find ways to serve other people. You go, that's a value in my life now. It's not about me just living for myself. But as Paul said, listen, whoever desires to be a bishop desires a noble task. Or he says in 1 Corinthians 12, the last verse, verse 31, he says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. Want the greater gifts. What are gifts for? They're for serving. So he's saying desire that. Want that. You want to be generous. When, you, when you're like this, I want to give out. I don't want, it's not about taking in, you know. That's in, in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 29. And your desires end in good. This is what it says in, in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 23. It says, the desire of the righteous ends only in good. And that's very satisfying. One of the things I found is when you live according to good desires and you're doing good behaviors and you're having good outcomes, because you're having good outcomes, you want to keep doing that. You know, this keeps going well. I want to keep repeating this over and over and over again. Like, it's good. The reason, one of the reasons 
I just, I need to be in the word because it gets my mindset right when I'm in God's word to live, th- to live through the day. You know, so I'm going to keep reading it. Um, if, it's, if it's exercise, I like the way that I feel doing exercise. Yes, uncomfortable and I breathe hard and I sweat. But I like the outcome. I like being healthy. It sure beats being not healthy. You know? And, and I'm, I'm liking being connected, learning more about just, it's a good thing to learn how to be connected to my wife emotionally and, and talk about those things in our lives, the hard things, because when we do that, it, it strengthens our relationship. So how does all this happen? How can we live out of a new heart that has new desires and drive so that we do what's good, so that we, we are more satisfied in living? So here's some things. I know I don't have notes this morning, this is, uh, so if you want to write it somewhere, you can do this. But first of all, we just need to invite God's Spirit to do heart surgery. Just invite him to come in and, and cut away the, the part of us that's sinful, that has the wrong impulses. Um, it says here in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. So instead of this being this stubborn, resistant, unresponsive organ to God, he's going to give us a heart of flesh that's pliable and that's soft and that's working, that responds to him. He says, and I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my law. So there's going to be a force inside of us that's moving us. And then he says, now here's the outcome. You will live in the land I gave your ancestors You will be my people, and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine. They're going to prosper. They're going to have food on the table. All this stuff, because why? Because their hearts were changed. They have new impulses, new desires. Because of that, they have new behaviors, and they have brand new outcomes. All this because of the heart change. So it's just asking God, like we sang, would you change my heart? You know, there's some things inside of me. Lord, I don't want to be just a, a sports nerd for the rest of my life. I, I don't want just to always sit down in front of ESPN and watch sports 24 hours a day. I don't want that. I know that's not good. And it's a simple thing to say, God, would you just change that? You take that, would change, you know, make, make me new there. Whatever your thing is. Here's another thing to do. Is once that happens, begin to respond to the Spirit's impulses. Like it says in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will. That's part of your heart. To will. I want to do this. And to act according to his good purpose. So he starts putting a little. It's like a little electrical impulse. I want to do this. You know, for me, this Christmas. I got two questions I want to ask my son. I've got two questions. And one of them, they're both, they could be a little dicey. And I don't know that I want to hear the answers to them, but I know for the good of our relationship that I need to ask him these two questions. That's that's like this impulse. It's about relationships and and growing in my relationship with my son. And I did. I asked him both of those questions this Christmas. And it was great. 
And I feel like we're at a new place. It's better. We had a wonderful discussion. You know, we don't, you know how you can, have, you can have like static electricity in a relationship? Something's not quite right. It's not spoken. It's not defined. Nobody's really talking about it, but there's something there. Like, I want to deal with that. I don't want that to be there. So there's this impulse. Rick, here's, here's the questions for your, for your boy. And it was a good thing. And that's how it works. I, I believe that came from, from the Lord. Okay? So you, and, and then when it comes, you have to act on it. Here's something that we don't know. Sometimes we act as we don't have a will. But that is part of your heart. You do have a will. And God expects you to use that will to act on those impulses. Would that be hard? Yeah, but you know what happens? When you start using a muscle, it gets it's a little weak. And the more you use it, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And so the more that you start to exercise your will on those impulses the Spirit gives, your will is going to get You're going to be walking in cooperation. And when he says, I want you to do something, you're going to say, yes. Yes, Lord. I'll do that. Because you're getting used to it. Some people don't, eat, don't even make a distinction between desires and will. They think if they want it, they just, if it's a desire, they just do it. And they can't ever say no. Mm-mm. You can. You can say no to bad desires. And you can say yes to good desires. It's in your heart. It's part of the heart. Number three, you can pray for it. And that's what, that's what David did. He says, Lord, would you help these? This was amazing. Look at this generosity. We have all this stuff, all this building materials to build this temple for you in Israel. To bring you glory to the nations. And it's because of these people's generosity. And they just brought it in willingly. And he says, God, would you keep that desire in their heart to continue to be generous? So we can pray, God, would you give me this? Would you continue to make me this way? Whatever that is. And number four, you can do that. You can think about God's desires. Your thought life, this is, that's in Romans 8, 5. Your thought life is part of your heart. One way to do that is simply to read the Bible to figure out what he wants you to do. Here's the thought. What does God want? What is it, what's in the heart of God that he wants in your life? Well, I can think of one thing to do is that he wants you. I love this. That God wants for you to be joyful always. God wants you to pray continually. And God wants you to be thankful in all circumstances. Because the end of that verse says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's what he wants for your life. Now, isn't that cool? I mean, how many people think of God as some ogre? Some, you know, God is the great joy killer in the sky. You know, what a distortion and a lie that is. Because what does it say right in the Bible? We think biblical thoughts. What does it say? Be joyful always. God wants his people to be joyful. Always. No matter what what you're going through. To be be praying. To be a person who makes a difference in the world by your intercession. To make an impact. You know, the intercessors are the history makers of the world. There There were great prayer intercession going on during World War II. And there, there, there are maneuvers that Hitler made that, that strategists can't figure out. Why did he make that mistake? I really believe it was God answering the prayer of these intercessors over in Europe. And, and he wants us to be, give thanks in all circumstances. You know, in all, all circumstances. 
You, you and I will be much happier people if we're grateful people. You will look at everything in your life differently. My wife and I had something hard happen to us over Christmas. And, and we can't, I'm, I'm like going, wow, that was rough. That was, that was really rough. And I was, I was thinking about it. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know, because I experienced that with her, I understand her better. I have more empathy for her. I get her more because of what just happened. There's more compassion in my heart for my wife. I, I get it. In a sense, even though it was really hard, in a sense, I'm really grateful it happened because I understand her better. It, it was good for our marriage. And, I, I, and since it happened, I've been thanking God. Thank you, God, for letting me see, for opening my eyes. Because before that happened, I just didn't get it as much. I didn't see it. Now I do. I mean, there's a reason to be thankful in all circumstances and how powerful Thanksgiving is and gratitude. I was just talking to somebody yesterday who just finished the rebuild on their house. Their house burnt down in 2017 in the big fire. And he was telling me, he says, you know, he says, I lost my, I'm a thankful person, but I lost it. I lost my gratitude. And because I lost my gratitude, all these things were, were wiggy and going off in my life. And my marriage wasn't as good. And my time with, I wasn't as good with my kids. He says, when I came back and I walked back into the new house, he says, it just, it clicked in. He says, I got my gratitude back. I mean, this is what God wants for us. How do we know that? Because we use our brains to read what the Bible is saying. That part of our heart is our thoughts. If we're going to love God with our hearts and have those hearts changed, we have to think those types of thoughts. And then the last thing I would say is just enjoy the fruit of desire gone right. Like, like Proverbs eleven twenty three says, the more you benefit from it, the more you're going to want to live it out, that holy desire in the future. Um, Peter, could you come on up? I want you to think about the possibilities for 2020. You know, I've been going through something, and, and I don't know what, if it's just an age thing, but I'm, I'm experiencing, like, you know, I got things changing inside of me. And I like it. I like it. I, um, I had the best, well, I'm just thinking of, just think of eliminating some harmful, damaging behaviors. Simply because you don't want to do them anymore. Instead of going, oh, I don't want to do that. Instead of saying, I don't, I, no, I, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. I had the best, um, it's a small thing, but this kind of thing works in the cracks in life. Is New Year's Eve. I don't like New Year's Eve. I don't. I just, I, I, people always want me to stay up till midnight to watch a ball drop in Times Square. I don't care about the ball dropping in Times Square. I was like, big deal. So what? What's that? What's that? It's not exciting. You know, it's a million people in Times Square watching a ball drop. And it's like, I, maybe I'm weird, but I just don't care. So what do I do? I stay up with people till midnight. What happens? I get up later in the morning. I miss this. I don't do this. And then I'm behind putting the Christmas decorations away. And it happens every year. I keep doing the same thing. That I don't want to do in the first place. So this year, some people said, hey, let's just go have some dinner. We'll do a potluck. Go down to the church, the fireside room. Let's play some board games. We were still on vacation. And Donna said, what do you think? I said, yes, that sounds good. That sounds nice. That's kind of like the old way we used to do it. 
So we came down here. We had a nice potluck. We played board games. Um, it was fun. It was funny. I went home early. I went to bed at 10. I'm going, yeah. No ball. No ball. I went to bed early. I got up in the morning because I was up early. I went for a nice long run. New Year's Day was beautiful in the first part of the day. Went up to the longest run I've ever been on. It was beautiful. I came back. I felt refreshed. I got the decorations down. I did not binge watch football or binge watch the Rose Parade. I watched one football game. I was like going, and when I came back to work the next day, I felt so much better. I'm like going, "Why, why don't I do this every year? You know, the problem, it's just desire. It was, here's my desire. Is this a good desire to go to bed? Yeah, this, be with people? Yeah, that's good. And it changed my behavior, and it changed the outcome. I mean, think about that for your life. What things would be, how much improved would your life be? And, and if you simply did not want to do some things that are hurtful, it would make your life easier with less drama because you're getting good outcomes from holy desires. So much of the drama in our lives is from doing the wrong things. We invite that drama into our lives. And coming to the end of the year or five years from now going, wow, look at how God is working in my life. I'm really, I'm, I'm at a time where I don't desire to watch sports as much. It's just not as big a deal to me. And I'm really glad for that. You know, and I'm sure my wife is happy about that. You know, um, but just think about that, um, you know, that I want to, to, to want to share my faith with people. That's a good thing. It's not like, oh, I know God, you said I should do it. We should be your witnesses, but I just don't really want to do that because of what people are going to think of me. I don't want to be rejected, but now I'm at a point where, and I used to have the most guilt in my life over the fact that I didn't share my faith. Because that doesn't make sense. If you found the bread of life and you don't share it with people who are starving to death, that's not right. But then, so why don't I do it? That was my thought to myself. I was like, why am I not doing this thing that's so good? And now, after years of, you know, electrical impulse, come on, Rick, come on. And I have to use my will. Okay, I'm going to go do that. I'll go, and, and it'll be hard sometimes, but it, it's got... It, it, my will has gotten stronger because I've been using, exercising it. And then my desires change and I enjoy it more. And it's like, now you give me an opportunity to share my faith, to share Christ with somebody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, we, had a, we had a couple here. Not a couple. They were a, husband, a brother and sister coming to get food before Christmas. Let them into the food pantry. I'm talking to the brother. He's about, he's, he told me he just had open heart surgery. He's 58 years old. And uh, I said, hey, I thought, you know, I'm going to ask this guy. Do you know what Christmas is about? He said, um, it's about the children being together. I said, well, have you ever heard the story about the Messiah? He said, no. You, haven't? You, you don't know anything. You know that manger scene? They have a little baby in there. You know that story about that? No, I don't know that story about it. It's about, you heard about Jesus? Not, don't really know about him. Um, how he lived and then he he, he died for our sins, that his mom was a woman and his dad was God, the father. And he lived his whole life and then he died on a cross for our sins. You, have you heard? No, I haven't heard that. And then he rose from the dead to overcome death so that we could rise from the dead too and live forever with him. You, you never, oh, I've never heard that. And how we put our faith in him? You know, 
I said, and you can just pray that you can just say this and you can receive this new life. I say, you say it like this, Jesus. And then he starts talking out loud, right back. Look, we're looking at each other. And he says, Jesus, um, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. We went through the whole thing, just looking at each other. I'm thinking that was really one of the highlights of my Christmas. I love that kind of thing now. Does God want that? Yeah, God wants that. He loves that. He, he, he literally died to give us life. You know, and to have that switch, that, that switch, switch inside of me from, oh, it's such a guilty thing and a hard thing to, God's a great thing. Just give me opportunity to do this. You know, what a way to live, to live from the desires of your heart. And... You know, it's, it's something that happens inside, but it, it comes from him from the outside, from the Holy Spirit. When we ask him, would you come? And I'm wondering, as you're sitting there, can you think of things? You know what? I would like this to change in my life. I've got some, I've got some desires in my life that I would like God. I would like some new things inside of me. Or I have some things inside of me that, that are pulling me the wrong direction. And I want that to, to end. I want that to die down. I want a new heart. I want a heart that beats for him. I want this. I want to live to will and to act according to his good purpose. You know, and I don't want some areas. I just don't want to have that, that struggle so much anymore. I want to give it all over to him. And so we're going to sing that song that Peter sang earlier, Change My Heart. Will you just stand? And if you want to join me down here, you know, we don't know how. It's, it's kind of a mystery. How do, you, how do you have heart surgery, spiritual heart surgery? It is a little bit of a mystery. But we're just inviting the Spirit to do that work inside of us and then to follow up on it. So if you want to come this morning and pray about that at the front, just step out from where you are and join me at the front. I'll be up here too. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh on the inside when you can give us a new heart a clean heart a heart that beats with your heart beats for the things that give life Lord, that give life to our relationships and to our physical health and our mental health there's nothing that won't be touched by a new heart and so we just want to say thank you today and Lord we need that we need you to do it inside of us 
and the things that we struggle with, God, we pray that you change our, our, our pulse for that. Lord, the, things, the new thing that we need to do, that our heart would start beating for that, wanting it. So uh, if you're up here, just put your hands in front of you. Just uh, say it with me, God, I want your new heart for me. I want it to beat in rhythm with yours. Make it responsive, supple, strong. Work in my thoughts, work in my will, make it strong. Work in my emotions, help me to feel differently about the good things, about the holy things, and to help me feel repulsed by evil and darkness. Jesus, do it by your spirit. I just want to invite you, if you know something in particular right now where you want change, just in your own heart, ask God to do that in this moment of silence. Father God, hear our prayers. In a year from now, may we be able to look back and say, he did it. It happened. Something new happened this year. And it's really good. And I just want more and more of that. Thank you, Father. We trust that you're going to do something. May we have testimony in these lives of what you're going to be doing. Thank you, Lord. Go with us by your spirit, alive inside of us and resting upon us. In Jesus' name we ask it. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you and be with you.